Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women, Breaking the Silence Around Abuse. I am Gemma Serenity, your host, and today we are welcoming Tanya Diamonds to the show. If you are not subscribed to this channel yet, you go immediately to gemmasgem.substack.com and you click subscribe. So let me tell you a little bit about Tanya. Tanya is a sensitive and autistic child, suffered sexual abuse, neglect, emotional abandonment by an alcoholic dad and a chemically unstable mother. Psoriasis at 10 and several severe traumatic injuries further served to isolate her. A nervous breakdown in her teens led her to spiral into self-destruction, putting a gun to her head and pulling the trigger. You will notice that she's perfectly fine. Rather than dying, she received a gift that set her on a quest to transform her life. Since then, she has studied over 50,000 hours of esoteric, holistic, and allopathic healing modalities and apprenticed with powerful healers worldwide, including a Tantra master. In the last 37 plus years, her visionary work in healing and optimizing the nervous system boasts a 99% success rate in transforming trauma and unwanted behaviors and has impacted over 82,000 people in 60 countries and counting. Tanya is a four-time number one international best-selling author and the innovator of three highly effective and successful personal development programs, Modern Tantra, the seven tantras of integrated intelligence, high-speed evolution, the five evolutions to life mastery, and recover your life in 20 minutes a day. She certifies personal development coaches in her program. If you want to reach out to her, tanyadiamond.com. So, without further ado, Tanya, (laughs) (laughs) amazing, exceptional. First question. We said the word autistic. I'm aware autism is a gigantic spectrum from slightly to gigantically um, impaired in a, in a way or another, but I know very little about what it actually is and you look absolutely normal and fine. Can you educate us on what is autistic? Yeah, first telling somebody that, they're, uh, that they look they look normally fine when they're autistic would usually put people into a uh, a freak out mode. So, it would. Yeah. So I so I apologize about that because I don't know. Yeah, right. Exactly. And you just said, "Hey, how can you, like educate me?" So, um, yeah, absolutely. It's like, um, it, and it is funny because people find out I'm autistic, and the first thing they say is, "Wow, you don't seem autistic." I, I, it's like telling somebody they're gay or straight. You don't seem gay or straight. There's um, we don't know. I know, right? Basically, autism can look so many different ways, as you said. There's a broad range. And so autistic traits um, are typically things that happen, brain functions, brain processing that you're born with. And what I did notice, um, like I don't like to be touched. I have uh, 
sensory uh, processing issues, like definitely some sound and different things like that. Lighting, smell, smells big one for me. Really smell is sensitive. So sensitive to things in ways that a lot of other people aren't, or they are, but it doesn't bother them. So like this, this weekend I was coming back from Dallas. I live in Seattle on a plane and I had a special seat that I picked just for that reason, because it helps me when I'm flying to be in a certain place. And I got on the plane and somebody had taken my seat and, uh, I, I had the first thing that happens, I had a little bit of like, ah, ah. and then, you know, the stewardess, I said, I think somebody's in my seat. She went and said, you know, whatever. It was a couple. We were in first class. So it's a two. So it was a couple sitting together. And they said, do you mind if we sit together? It would put me in an aisle way. I don't like to be in the aisle way. But I thought, you know what? Flexibility is good. And I said to them, yeah, okay. I'm going to go sit in the aisle. I said, I'm autistic. So um, it's a little freaky for me, but I'm going to sit in the seat here. And I'm, can we be in open communication? And they're like, of course, of course. If you want to change, just tell us anytime. So things like that, you know, uh, my brain processes information really fast. And so most people think of somebody autistic who's not capable of interacting in the world or speaking in a certain way or looking at somebody in a certain way. And I think we're on a, a definitely a broad spectrum. <clears throat> so my issues, a lot of my characteristics of autism, once I healed my trauma, changed. And so I talk a lot about how autism and neurodivergency, if there's trauma from a young age involved in it as well, uh, if you resolve the trauma, sometimes some of the things that you were diagnosed with resolve as well, which is an entirely different topic of conversation. But anyway, so hopefully that's the short version. <laughs> so thank you very much for educating us because it's really education. Yeah. When we don't know, we cannot know. We can ask questions that is allowed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm happy to answer anybody, yeah. <laughs> so I understand a little bit from what you share that the way you process sensory information is heightened compared to other people. And the meaning that you are able to give to things can vary depending on the circumstance. Is that right? Uh, absolutely. And uh, like one is, I consider one of my autistic superpowers is, first of all, I'm, I'm really blunt. Like I don't have, a, I've had to learn how to have a filter. <laughs> and, and I don't do well with, uh, uh, I can get on a stage and speak to thousands of people. It's not my happy place, but singing to thousands of people is. So there's a lot of variance. And uh, the biggest thing is that how how it is that my brain processes information. Like I can read, I had an eidetic memory before my first head injury. So some of that, you know, superpower of knowledge and ability to read and gain information and make connections in a way that most people don't make them. Truly amazing. Truly amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And, and then there is another part that is, like mind-blowing in the short bio we just read. So you try to commit suicide, you pull a trigger, and here you are perfectly complete, no scar, no nothing. What happened? Yeah, right? That's what I want to know. Uh, well, <laughs> basically, I did. I put a gun to my head. I pulled the trigger. I felt the vibration down my spine, the pain, 
I felt like my body split in two and everything just poured out and there was nothing, no breath, nothing there. And then at some who knows what kind of time frame we're talking about, I felt like time restarted in my cells and everything just nipped back together. Of course, I, well, not of course, but I was overwhelmed. I just was huddled in a ball. I thought I was dead. Uh, you know, is this death? This kind of like, right? And then uh, the sun, it was at sunrise and the sun had, had come up and the next thing I said, I'm smell sensitive. I'm smelling this dog poop close by. Like, ah, oh, that's horrible. What's happening? The sun was warming up dog poop. And I'm like, and I realized, well, if I'm smelling dog poop, I, I'm probably alive. I mean, I, I could maybe not, but I couldn't imagine being dead and still being affected by dog poop. But I am. Um, so I kind of like checked in, you know, I'm looking for blood. I'm looking for holes. I'm thinking, you know, am I crazy? Am I dead? Am I like, what's happening? And I stood up and everything seemed kind of normal, standing up and brushing myself off until I saw an undamaged bullet laying beside me where my head had been. And then I thought I was clearly mad, like something had happened and I'd had a psychotic break or some something, because how could that be? Except the gun had been fired. Um, and uh, yeah, and so I went off on a quest to figure out what the hell could just happen, people. Like, And uh, I always go to that first place, like, I must be crazy or there must be something, you know, I'm I'm processing wrong before I go to the idea that maybe some miraculous spiritual thing had just occurred. So I tend to be very skeptical and linear and analytical. And um, so it was interesting to go on that journey to find out what had happened and be led all over the world to all sorts of different things that I would never believe were possible in the world, let's just say, uh, until I uh, I never did find that answer. But clearly I'm here and some things are a mystery. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> what? I did go to many psychiatrists after that to find out if I was crazy. Every one of them kept saying I wasn't. So we'll just say that maybe I'm not. <laughs> I, I mean... That's amazing. You said 37 plus years. Are you 37 years old or like 47 or 57? I, I don't know. I am 61. 61. Okay. So I have been around quite a long time. It gives Indeed. me years to have uh, gone and explored and then um, started working with people. And always, uh, I've also done um, a lot of animal healing work. Um, and animals were some of my best teachers of energy mastery because they don't have, of course, they're not judging what's happening. They're just reacting to what's going on. So I would say that uh, they've helped me tremendously hone some of my skills uh, when it comes to energy mastery and understanding the nervous system, which is where my foundations are. I believe that my Tantra master taught me that the foundation of all healing or anything, even life purpose, purpose is self-management. Because when we can self-manage our own chemistry, our nervous system, we can do miraculous things, including I've cured four incurable illnesses to date. Truly amazing. Did you also master the entire attracting money things? Yeah, money is, sure, money is, um, you know, everything is neutral until you charge it. If we're going to get into an energy conversation, basically there is no bad energy, good energy, whatever. It's neutral until we interact with that. 
And I know that flies in the face of lots of spiritual gurus and teachers who teach you that there's negative and positive and things like that. And really, it's uh, comes down to a lot of chemistry and how we react. And it's not that I don't believe in spiritual things, because I've seen on my travels and journeys things that defy what we believe to be accurate. But if you look in nature, uh, for instance, regenerating limbs, there are animals in nature that regenerate their own limbs. This means that it's possible. So if you can see it in nature, you know it's possible. It's not against the laws of the universe, so to speak. So, yeah. So neutral, I think that energy is neutral until you charge it. Money is a vehicle. It's a, It's like anything else in the world. If you have a bad money story, then you're going to have difficulties with that because you'll have conscious and unsubconscious uh, sabotaging mechanisms. Same with love. Like I've had much love in my life. I've been loved so many times and I've loved so many times and I don't think there's a scarcity of it. So therefore it is. Money, same way. I made my first million at 24. I don't uh, believe in uh, money being something that's hard. And that doesn't mean I haven't lost things and gained, you know, I mean, like, look at life also. Chaos, <laughs> texture, things happen, flowers bloom, then, uh, you know, uh, wind comes by, blows them out. So we're just the same. It, it, there's no static way of being in the world. You know, people trying to attain a static line, like I'm always happy. Emotions have a cycle in 90 second increments. So you can't always be happy. The longest emotion that lasts is 90 seconds. So uh, you can recycle it over and over with your brain, but chemically, that's all. And so the natural ups and downs and ebbs and flows of life are part of the structure. And, and it's important not to fight that and try to attain this one aspect of being. Trubbing and nasal. So, Tania, today's topic is uncoupling love. Because if we continue to really like poke in all kind of area of 61 years of experience more extraordinary one from another <clears throat> we are not going to go on the top <laughs> exactly <laughs> so but you said you're still pretty but we are four times number one best-selling author so anyone who just want to to dig into you there is ample material out there to discover you and to understand Absolutely. better and to and to learn more so let's talk about uncoupling love. First of all, what do you mean? Because that was an yeah. amazing idea of yours and lots of experience behind that. Yeah. So that is a, a book that I'm working on right now, Uncoupling Love, because, you know, I don't, being autistic means I'm also very literal, especially when I was a kid. I've changed a lot of that now. But you know, I was told that um, my parents had a, a beautiful romantic love relationship. And so, you know, things like um, sex, uh, you know, sex is something people do when they're in love. Let's just say that's a normal thing parents tell their kids to try to get them from just having casual sex or something. Well, I took that as anytime you have sex, you're in love with somebody. That's literal, right? Okay. Uh, that an erection was a profound expression of love. Uh, right? Literal. Kind of ridiculous. It sounds funny now, but... So remembering that how, and then there's, you know, Disney, romance novels, you know, romantic music. So there, we're sold a lot of ideas of romantic love, and we're sold a lot of ideas that 
that's all we need and that's all we're looking for love is all you need right um falling in love is is a is a is a rite of passage that um having love is something extraordinary that finding your one true love is what you're looking i mean there's so much wrapped up in this and um i realized that if i uncouple love from other things like it's not it's an and world it's not like oh love equals everything uh i discovered that wow okay let's take a, an example where people say uh, and almost everybody, just so this could be a trigger warning for some people, so just um, bear this in mind. One of the most popular things that happens in abusive uh, situations is people say that getting abused is not love or being abusive is not love. We've coupled abuse and not love together. The reality is you can 100% love somebody and abuse them. The feeling of love does not negate being triggered and abusing somebody. Are you loving them while you're abusing them? No. So we have to really take a moment and understand that. However, you can love somebody and do horrible things to them. Love does not an action that precludes all of that. And we know that as, as parents, you can love your kid and still do something that wasn't really the best, they're in their best interest. So when we look at relationships, and realize that the majority of people stay in relationships or, or use, but I love them as a reason to stay in a relationship that isn't good for you um, or to continue hurting somebody and, and thinking that your love for some, some reason is going to change that are two things we should disband immediately because it would save us all a lot of trauma and a lot more understanding of things. When I was 48, so I've been loved. I've had many, many relationships. I believe love is not something that you need to just hang on to. You know, you can love lots of people. And I found my soulmate at 48. Uh, how do I know he was my soulmate? He drew my eyes in his diary when he was 16, and I wrote about him when I was 12. I mean, to the jewelry he was wearing, what he looked like, how tall he was, how he sat, characteristics that my best friend at that time sent me letters showing me that I actually wrote about him. And um, when Johnny Depp first showed up in the world, I thought it was him because it, he, he actually looks like that, except Johnny Depp's too short because my guy was six foot four. And he's a dead ringer for Johnny Depp. And so that was really kind of funny. But I met him. I was walking across to a Starbucks parking lot. He had applied for a job with my team, and I looked and I thought, and there he is. I didn't know he'd drawn my eyes in his diary, so while I was looking at him, I said, oh, I was wearing sunglasses. You need to see my eyes. And I flipped up my sunglasses to look at him and dropped him back down without knowing that that was <laughs> part of the thing. Anyway, so here we have this epic, epic storybook movie uh, experience, romantic love. Well, okay, great. We've been looking for each other our whole lives. We recognize each other. I love like I have never experienced it before, even though I've had lots of experience with love. And this did not preclude the fact that he had been traumatized as an infant, sexually abused and traumatized as an infant, and he had huge triggers, huge triggers, dangerously violent triggers. And the first time... I woke him up from a nap and he was flying at me in a rage 
And he, you know, screaming and spit flying and total rage at me. And I'm standing there thinking, wow, okay, clearly there's some problems here. And I, being no stranger at that point to trauma and what trauma triggers look like, I wasn't scared. I was concerned. Like, I was sad. I was like, wow, my man is traumatized. Now, logically, I can stand in the face of that and be okay because I understand I make a living at people resolving their trauma symptoms. So this is a trauma symptom. Emotionally and physically and somatically and energetically, it doesn't matter if I logically understand that. My body's taken those hits. And that is something that if you are somebody that, you know, people that are healers believe that they can step into these kind of relationships and help somebody and not be affected. And that's just not true. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I think understanding that, that you may have the chops or the, you know, you may be a healer, you may help be a therapist, whatever it is, understanding that you can logically, I knew that wasn't about me. I knew it had nothing to do with me. I knew it was a past response, but eight years together with outrage, you know, flying out of control every four to five months, uh, getting better because he's working through stuff, taking my coaching programs on the side. I, I didn't, yeah, I don't put myself in that position in a relationship because that's just ridiculous. I don't want to be somebody's therapist and or coach, but he was taking my programs behind the scenes and working them and doing that and getting on a phone call when he was in a different room. <laughs> to, um, things were getting better and he was resolving his traumas for sure until the last year we were together when his dad died and he found out that his dad had stolen his house. The grandfather had left it to my partner and all the money and his dad had stolen all that. And then there was things that his dad had done that were horrific as well that we found out as we were cleaning out the house that led him to start drinking and doing drugs and having a total collapse and uh, finally yelling, I can't leave you and putting me in a position to have to kick him out. Um, so tr very tragic. Um, and, uh, on his way out, he totally freaked out. He turned off my servers and I lost 25 years of business, lost all my business in one fell swoop. Everything I'd ever written, everything I'd ever built, all my databases gone in an instant. So not only losing the love of my life, but also, uh, everything that I'd created was pretty tough. But the realization, uh, one thing that I realized going through that is I had already uncoupled love before I entered into that relationship. So I understood that the fact that I loved him, the fact that he loved me had nothing to do with this dynamic that was unhealthy. You know, that love wasn't going to fix us. Love wasn't the reason to stay. Um, being in that situation, if that was intolerable, um, yeah. And so I think that's important for really Betty to understand that if we uncouple the idea of being in love with somebody or that if, because I hear, and I'm sure you've heard this from women, but he loves me, you know. <laughs> oh, but I love him. I love him. He loves me. Both you know, ways. Yeah, because, you know, he let's say, and, and my guy didn't get physically abusive. He was, but it doesn't matter because the verbal abuse and the emotional abuse that was happening was as critical to my body. It wasn't like my body didn't feel like it was being beaten down because he was very effective at finding horrible things to say. And so 
also watching what would happen, you know, if you love somebody and and most of us that have had abuse also become abusive in different ways. Maybe we're not physically abusive, but we certainly learn tactics, uh, whether it's the silent treatment with somebody or withholding or doing passive aggressive things. But just understand that that's, you know, we're all capable of loving somebody and hurting them. And it's important to understand. You know, when I discovered that we can fall in love with someone, be married to someone else, be attached and protect our children in another way, mm-hmm. and long, really long and hope for this forever perfect Prince Charming love in our treats. I realize that it is not a equi- and, and also having sex with other people who had nothing to do with all of that. It was just like okay, an agreement, and it was like okay. When you understand and realize all these different ways of having relationships with different kind of people. And now you put the teachings that you come up with by uncoupling love from the behavior between one another so that these are two separate things. We may love each other in an absolute pure and eternal way, but at the same time, we can so abuse each other and, and hurt each other in ways that are just unbearable, but real. Yeah. I know the number of times that my third last and dream husband, Sasha, who's still with me now, how many times did I hurt him? Mm-hmm. Way too many to count. Mm-hmm. And he stayed against all odds and all conception. In my mind, in my mind, how many times did I tell him, you shall just leave me and, and find someone who is like, good for you and he would always and still today he would always answer no I said I love you I have a vision of you I know who you truly are I'm just allowing you to become who you are and that constant love is the rock but now that we're talking about uncoupling love Mm -hmm. that allows to understand yes we can hurt each other we can love each other, and it's a choice to stay together or not, right. and still love each other. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The um, the reality is, yeah, you just you just have to uncouple the word love. The reason people stay together is a decision, because most people leave each other when they love each other. I mean, realize that people most people break up while they still love each other. They just can't tolerate behaviors or uh, they've changed their mind about the trajectory of their future. So, you know, I understand that basically love is the least important, actually. Love is the least important component of being in a relationship. Uh, There are studies that show arranged marriages do far better than romantic love relationships, where they learn to love each other as an action versus fall in love with a feeling that you're feeling that's going to ebb and flow. The action of deciding that you want to be with somebody 
isn't really about love. It's a decision that you want to be with that person for whatever reason. Yeah, I just think just just for the audience, I think it'd be really interesting just to say if you took love out of the equation. If the only reason you're there is because of love, that's not enough. There has to be other things in that, like you have similar goals and values, things like that, that you have a vision for the future that looks really great. Think of love as the icing, but not the whole thing. And that flies in the face of every single thing and message that we're told over and over and over again. It's actually more important that you like the person. But when it comes to and respect them. When it comes to to being in abusive relationships, um, this idea of I love them or they love me when they're in the honeymoon period after the abuse and all of a sudden they're doing everything they can to uh, show up in a loving space. And then you're hooked into that feeling again, which that feeling is supposed to give you hope and it floods your body with all these hormones. And hormones have no common sense. I mean, just please understand that when you're in the height of love, you actually don't possess critical thinking skills. So if you're using that chemical soup of awesome feeling to make decisions, there are no decisions to be made in that space. <laughs> you cannot make a rational decision from a space of love. It flies in the face of how your chemistry works. So... Really what you're looking for then is to to stop saying, stop, take the word love. If you're in a relationship right now, it doesn't matter, good one, bad one, whatever it is, and you just take the love piece out of it. What are you left with is the question I want to ask you. If the love piece isn't there, what is there? Is there friendship? Is there respect? Um, is there great co-parenting? Is there financial need? A lot of people stay because of financial needs. Um, but being able to get real will help you make better decisions. And when people say somebody who loves you, you know, you're being abused, um, that's not love, but yet you're feeling the love from your partner when you're not abused. See, that's why you don't leave because that doesn't make sense because you know, they love you. You can feel the love from them when you're not in, in the abuse part. So uncouple that, because then what you're going to see is what's really going on instead of trying to say, yeah, but they but they do love me. So then this can't be abuse. Our minds are so interesting how they create scenarios. So let's just once again, take the word love, the feeling love out of the equation right now. Do that as an exercise. And then look and ask yourself, do I like this person? Do I respect this person? Do we have the same type of uh, values and goals in life? Do we make good decisions together? These are the types of things that make relationships the most important. These are the things that you're feeling on a day-to-day -day kind of basis or what's happening and revolving. If you keep throwing the love piece out there as the thing, you're going to get disappointed. And I'm not saying don't love people. Absolutely. I love love. I love falling in love. I love being in love. Love is awesome. And if I follow the love, I will make all sorts of decisions that are not not great and not in my best interest. Just saying. <laughs> so yeah, 
that's 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 what I have about uncoupling love. <laughs> I mean, this is fascinating. It is a fascinating topic. It concerns all of us. There is no one person who can say, no, no, that's not about me. I'm totally perfect. That doesn't work. No, no. It concerns all of us. And understanding to take a step back and really ask each other and oneself, ourselves, what is it about? What is this relationship actually about? Why are we together? Why do we choose to put up with each other's flaws and qualities right yeah yeah sometimes it's about convenience there's so many it's so hard to be honest i mean we're in a lying we're in a deceitful world (laughs) we're told that honesty is the most important thing and yet we lie to each other we lie to ourselves two thousand times a day It, it, it it there's science on all of this but the reality is like it truth if we spoke the truth it would sound like i'm afraid that literally that that's all everything a lot most of this other stuff are triggers and, and falsehoods and and behaviors that we adapt because we want to be loved or seen or recognized and uh getting real that it's okay to have a companionship relationship that works financially it's okay to have a um you know an agreement of being supported you one supports by going out of the house the other supports by keeping the house great an agreement that we want to be parents. And uh, I think we'd be great parents together. Maybe we don't have hot romantic love. Do we need romantic love to be great parents? No, you don't. You can be great parents without loving each other. Uh, But what about role modeling love to the kids? Ah, yeah, well, see, most of the time we don't role model love to our kids. Most time we role model trauma to our kids. Just saying. Uh, Loving our kids. I hope you like your kid. Like, I like my kid. I respect my kid. My kid is super cool. Uh, I may, if she could do stuff that, you know, I may not be feeling the love today uh, for her, but that wouldn't keep me from liking her or respecting her. And so, yeah, I think we just need to really get more serious about all of the pieces of life. Maybe you're good planners. One of you's a planner. One of you's not. Maybe you just think family is important. You both have super cool family and you love just bringing the whole family together and experiencing that. Um, yeah. Yes, please. Love is not the biggest deal in the world. It's awesome and it feels good and and we do love being in love. But it, if we keep stop making that be the thing and we would stop staying in relationships where we need to go because where we need to go. Yeah. And we would stop making decisions based on a feeling and chemistry instead of also rational decisions. I just think it's a magical conversation because it really goes deep. It really asks great questions, hard questions, <laughs> both. And um, from time to time, I just remind myself, the day I decided to leave my first abusive relationship, I was 23 years old, it was five years after it started, and someone told me, No, you do not have the right to be happy. You have the duty to be happy. And when I heard that, it opened, it it shifted on a light bulb. Oh, so if I have the duty to be happy, it cannot be with my husband. Mm. I'm gone. 
Yeah. It's over. And I'm, I'm gone. If I have the duty to be happy, it cannot be with him. But mm-hmm. because I knew there was abuse every single day, I knew I was crying every single day. I wouldn't, I, I, I did stop to put any makeup on because every day it was the big tears and big trauma, drama and everything. So it was just like, no, no, just like you have to leave. And the moment I thought that way, so this same day, I came back, took my things, got my, took my son and I was gone. Like it was over, over. Because of that light bulb, which was actually, and and that was the very next day after he tried to rope me back with "I love you" and I mm-hmm. answered, "I hug you," mm-hmm. instead of "I love you too." No, 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 I hug you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I embrace you. Now, okay, I kiss you. I can do that. Love, yeah, it doesn't sound right. And the very next day, you have the duty to be happy. Okay, so time is over. I'm gone. (laughs) So understanding the power of uncoupling love from our decision of arranged and agreement relationships. Yeah. That's a powerful question to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Flying in the space of... All the spiritual teachers and leaders, the love is everything and love's the only thing that matters. And, you know, unconditional love is where the where your highest vibration is and all of that. I think if you make decisions with love instead of about love or decisions that could include love or maybe not, um, yeah, just uncouple it. That says it all right there. <laughs> This is going to be such an interesting chapter of the anthology. Tanya, we look forward to listening, watching, and reading you because you really bring a very, very interesting perspective to life, love, and sex. And that's a Yeah, with all the tantra and all the all that you learn and the spirituality and the miraculous non-suicidal <laughs> gone if you want to something very interesting absolutely absolutely <laughs> and 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 can i say because in the beginning you said look me up at tanyadiamond.com that website's not built yet so don't look me up there but t-a-n-j-a if you spell my name right i'm on 20 pages of google you'll find me <laughs> Hard to miss. All right. We will build a, a website for you. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so that we can bring together all the pieces because that is important too. Amazing. Absolutely. Thank you, Tanya. Have an amazing day. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your experience with us. It's super enlightening. Well, it's a privilege to be here. Thank you so much for doing this and for caring enough about everybody who might be abused or being abused that you care enough to be vulnerable and have people come on and be vulnerable so that we can all stop hiding and, you know, 
start sharing and start finding out that um, it doesn't matter how smart you are, how accomplished you are, whatever age you are, whatever it is, that you can find yourself um, in situations that are not healthy for you emotionally, physically, whatever that is, and uh, make the change to jump out because uh, no matter what you believe about life, this isn't really a dress rehearsal. Duty to be happy, as you said, and even if happiness isn't the big thing, you definitely have the right to feel safe. I fully agree with you. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you. Oh, 